What is up, y'all? Welcome to Culture. I am your host, Leslie Lee III. Chorus as the theme song, Stone Pitbull for Tomohiro Ishii. A selection of our guests today, a very special guest for a very special episode, a very special show. But I'd be remiss if I didn't start off saying that if you if you saw some uh, Ishii's run in AEW this year, in the U.S. this year, you didn't see his run. Because you got to watch Impact, too. He has some big matches in Impact. Make sure to check them out. Impact is only 99 cents a month. I don't know why I'm doing an ad for Impact at the beginning. Cause like, probably because I want I'm feeling very good today about the state of professional wrestling, I think. I think some positive change may finally be on the way and I couldn't and I couldn't think of a better person to talk about it with and a bunch of other cool stuff happening in wrestling cool matches cool shows cool events but of course we are talking about the big big news as well the Wall Street Journal article about McMahon sorry about the echo folks sorry about that about the we are we'll be talking about Vince McMahon but I have my guest this week Tamaya Greenlee making her return to the show. Thank you so much for coming back on and talking uh, with me about, you know, all the wrestling news of the week, as well as the huge, huge story. Vince McMahon, much appreciated. Thank you so much. Well, I am happy to be here. Thank you for having me on again. And I am, I don't know if excited is the word. Uh, yeah. To talk about anything. Um, Cause we'll see if we get to the fun stuff. Yes. But I'm, I'm, Looking forward to seeing what happens. Yes, looking forward is the word. But we're going to start. I actually want to start off with the fun stuff. I want to start off with the fun stuff before we get into the dark stuff, but the needed stuff, the important stuff. Tamaya, what have you been watching? Okay. So, my relationship with wrestling right now, um, periodically, I like to do this because. I might have mentioned this before, but I just as a person hate watching TV. Um, and so I go through times when I will watch um, AEW's usually my um, major promotion of choice, even though since you mentioned uh, Impact being 99 cents, because I actually forgot that, um, I do enjoy them, so I might, I might pick that up. Um, but... I, I've been going through just some time where I've wanted to be by myself, um, and I've been spending more of my time at live shows. Okay. Um, so I, I typically go to a few a month. Yeah, and you were watching a show that uh, looked interesting to me because this is the big thing that's going on, and I know this is something you're passionate about, deathmatch wrestling and no-ring deathmatch yes. wrestling. I love deathmatch wrestling. Um it is my favorite genre in wrestling. Um, I very passionate about it. You can hear me go on and on and on about it on on Twitter. Um, oh, oh, and but, also, please pl- plug your show. I'm so 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 sorry. I was so excited for our news today. Did not allow you to get your plugs in. Please go ahead. Tell people where they can find you. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Scholar and Elbow. Um, I'm revamping some of my ideas. Um, kind of trying to take it a bit easier with some health stuff that I have going on. Um, but I'm going to get back into doing interviews and, um, I've got some fun writing, uh, projects coming up with a magazine and with another outside of wrestling publication. So I'm excited about that. Um, 
but yeah, so uh, Deathmatch is what I'm really passionate about, and I was very excited because um, AWR um, had their Prelude to Death 2. Um, AWR runs out of my uh, hometown of Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, and this is very exciting because next month um, they have an incredible deathmatch tournament, um, their Asylum uh, deathmatch tournament, um, and that's going to be insane. And the show, uh, <laughs> it exceeded <laughs> what I was expecting. Yeah, what was the best match on the show? I love, I love the concept of the no ring deathmatch. I've never. Oh, I- I- it's so is it, it does feel like something new in wrestling. I remember uh, Murder Mania over WrestleMania weekend. It, that was such an amazing show, oh, just absolutely it, amazing. I said it before. Murder Mania was my favorite um, show, um, but we can't talk about No Ring without putting some respect on Casanova, Casanova Valentine's name, if I can get it out right. Um, who is the king of No Ring Deathmatch? Um, his his approach to it is so cool. So beautiful, so interesting, um, and he's done a lot of that in New York, and he's brought that around to other places, um, because I actually, I went to another AWR show in Michigan um, that he worked with them on to do No Ring, um, and then Hoodfoot also um, produced a No Ring deathmatch show, and you know, he uh, has been a tag team partner of Casanova Valentine, um, and that was also in Indianapolis the day after. And that was for, I think they call it Naptown All Pro. We've got a lot of fun stuff going on. But for AWR, oh my gosh, the matches that stand out to me, um, Eric Dillinger and Josh Crane, um, phenomenal. I think Eric Dillinger is so just underrated as a wrestler, but as a deathmatch wrestler, because um, that's not his primary um, area, but he's just so incredible and unique as a performer. Um, but the main event, Sawyer Wreck and Mickey Knuckles. Oh, I Sawyer Wreck. If you have not seen Sawyer Wreck, she's like legit six foot, right? Like six one. A legit six two. I was six just two. on commentary yeah. for one of her matches, and she makes sure we say she is a real six two. Just tall and just like absolutely destroys people i love love seeing her wrestle and i love that she does deathmatch uh wrestling yes. as well mixes it in with her style because she um and mickey knuckles of course legend on the scene i mm-hmm. remember seeing mickey all the way back with the with the three with the green shorts and the knuckles on the, on the shorts <laughs> and back in iwa mid-south uh r.i.p uh, possibly, but yeah, uh, back in IWA Mid South on the Vol- Volcano Girl show, and Mickey Knuckles has been doing it for like twenty years now. Uh, I, she I is an icon, and honestly, the way that she's worked with so many up and coming deathmatch wrestlers, um, she makes everyone look so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the show I checked out uh, this weekend was the NWA pay per view, Always Ooh. Ready. Named after Matt Cordona, NWA champion, who unfortunately was injured and could not participate in the main event. You had this whole show built around him, and he was injured uh, for it. But they actually did a pretty good job, because NWA, what Billy uh, Billy Corgan does, he... 
uh, he tries to keep it very simple and tries to live up to that NWA name, that studio wrestling style. And the way he does it is by, first of all, none of the characters are completely bad or completely good. So when Matt okay. Cardona, it comes out there and he's like a jerk and he wants to keep his title and Billy Corden asks him to give it up. You see that kind of emotional change in him. You see him stop preening and prancing and he's just like, no, like I worked hard for this. I don't want to give it up and Billy and the way he Billy Corgan has to convince him like just trust me I will take care of you but we need to keep the title going for the fans and it's like it was a very I hate when people when wrestlers hand over the title this is one of the few times I actually liked it I've, I know I've been talking about how great interim titles are for these type of situations mm. but they actually yeah. did a good job uh with this I was very uh surprised it shows a little bit more depth to his character and I actually like bought it and like okay I can see why this was, was ha happened why he would give it up but the big match i really want to talk about is a uh, camille versus kylan king the nwa women's oh. title match i posted some i did a little video on twitter about this this match was just phenomenal absolutely stellar camille catch that yeah camille is a younger uh wrestler newer wrestler but over the pandemic she has just grown leaps and bounds with that title she's someone who has grown into her role as the world uh, champion kylan kylan king is just good just straight out amazing so good at everything is it's shocking that AEW didn't make more use of her but it is worth pointing out they never signed her but they still put her over people so that's how good uh she is uh, she's just absolutely one of the best and you know billy uh, seems to have scooped her up and has made her a foundational piece of their women's division which is very good very good yeah. um and they put a lot of focus on a lot of effort into it um who was it? Uh, Taya Valkyrie made her uh, NWA uh, debut uh, as well uh, against uh, Mia Malkova, and that was another uh, fun match as well. So I, I love, I I like NWA. I really enjoyed it, as and that's another deal too. You pay fifty dollars, you get all the pay per views and all the shows for a year. So I lots of good wrestling out there to check out. Yeah, this is. I don't know what it is about NWA. Um, I personally haven't watched their shows, so I go from, like, what I hear, and people really don't give them, I don't want, I, I can't necessarily say their props, but they just really don't pay them dust. Um, and so to hear you talk about what is happening is really intriguing to me, um, because one thing that immediately stands out is that approach to character is very it reminds me very much of what i love about new japan mm. um and their shades of gray um but also just the roster that they're building is incredible yeah i didn't even have a chance to mention allison katie Mar marty bell two of my favorite you know wrestlers in that great tag team the hex were on this show and they lost the titles to this young team of Pretty Empower, Ella Envy and Kenzie Page. I've seen Kenzie a okay. couple of times, but yeah. I've never seen Ella Envy and they were great. I haven't. And they either. were yeah, and they were really really like good. Like th this was a good solid wrestling show with good storytelling. Um Homicide is their in is their junior heavyweight champion oh. and, and they recognize the whole history of Homicide and he's in the feud with and this blows my mind. It with Kobe Corino 
for people wow. who don't know, Homicide Whoa. was in like legendary. a legendary feud with Kobe's father, Steve Carino, who you may remember from ECW. Homicide actually slapped Steve Carino so hard it yeah. made him permanently deaf, deaf in one ear. So like, and his son is still coming after him. That is a feud. I like that. That is really NWA sounds very eclectic. Um, for as much as people talk about AEW, which I do think is true, it's interesting seeing um, someone else doing something very similar where you have um, these stories being renewed and you have a mix of the past but the future um, also very strong in that. It's just – it's a collection of people I never would have expected to have on one program. Yeah, it's very, it's a very different – thing and like uh like trevor murdoch ended up walking away with the nwa world title and that's just something i, I never i remember when he debuted in wwe um yeah. on on raw i was like oh this guy's a obviously a great wrestler but he's never gonna like get anywhere right. and like no he's been the two-time nwa uh world champion i, I really like kind of dig that they were they're using i mean this is what the best wrestling always is and this is what wrestling should be it's not about you have to have the biggest names. It's about using who you have mm -hmm. and who's available in the best way possible. Yeah. No, and I think that is very true. And honestly, it's up to every promotion to make a name or make names out of whoever they have at their disposal. Yeah, and they, like they use... second there sorry if you lost this for a second there but yeah on also on the show like they use a lot of the they billy has done this for a while he's been using like a lot of the divas at times like he brought in melina and had her like have a significant yes. run jazz was the end was the world champion when he took over for a very long time i think she uh, he let she had the title for over a year and they have a uh, Terin terrell on the show now as and she's like mostly a manager but she can she can still wrestle so like she's mm. just this incredible annoying manager <laughs> who you can event like once a month like like some a, a face gets in there and just beats her ass, and it's always a fun <laughs> match. <laughs> All right, so we do have our first caller in line, but I guess okay. we we got. But I know what he's probably want to talk about, but we gotta get into the story. <laughs> so Hansi, hold on for a second. We've talked about the good. We talked. Oh, one. Well, let's do a light bad thing. I kind of want to talk about it. very brief, okay. lightly Which bad. Which the light bad? The lightly bad. Um, really? it's it's not the Jeff Hardy thing. I want to say. First of all, I, all I want to say about Jeff Hardy is uh, lots of love and respect to him and his family. Recovery is a process. I said mm -hmm. when he signed with AEW, relapse is a part of recovery. Mm -hmm. It happens. Um, that's just how it is. And it's unfortunate that so many people have only learned about addiction from after school specials and TV shows. Yes. So they have no clue what it's actually like when to deal with. But as far as I see, um, I just, I think, you know, AW, his family who have received horrible abuse, which they absolutely do not deserve. You can say whatever you want about the Hardys, but I don't think this is the situation or the time. I hope he gets better. I hope he recovers. And that's all I, that's all we need to say about that. Yeah. 
I agree. And just, I'll, I just want to tag onto that just very briefly because I have the same sentiment, but addiction is so complex. Um, and I hope that people avoid the inclination to, um, jump to speculation and conjecture and really take the time to learn about addiction and what goes into treating addiction and just how that process, um, affects people and the families that go through it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Now the light bad thing I want to talk about, let's talk about sandbagging. This, oh yeah. The, let's talk about this is just dumb. I, I, I want to talk about it because Marina Shafir versus Thunder Rosa, AEW match, some rough elements, some rough spots. And I thought this at the time when I was watching it, Problem did not seem necessarily to be Marina Shafir. It seemed a couple yeah. of throws, a couple of attacks. Thunder Rosa wasn't quite uh, giving it or her all, it seemed like. And certain wrestlers chimed in, including certain co-workers, suggesting uh, the same thing. And I don't know. It's, it, it's what I saw on TV. And I know a lot, a lot of people were saying, because it ended up spilling out on the internet because I think, what was it, Eric Stevens, uh, former wrestler Eric Stevens, mm -hmm. I think his username is like Eric in Sarasota now, he made a subtweet about it, and it was, that subtweet was liked by Britt uh, Baker and maybe uh, someone else, and people thought, oh no, this is kind of spilling the tea in public, but I was like, the match was on TV, a million people saw the match. <laughs> It did not make the, it did not look good. It did not make the women's no. division look good. So I think I don't have a problem with them calling it out. If you have a if you want people called out for bad behavior in wrestling, I don't see how this would not be like a part of that in some capacity. And certainly if you're someone like Marina Shafir who, you know, ends up taking who took most of the blame for the rough parts of that match, like what are you doing in that situation? Not say anything? I don't know. Not like a subtweet? I don't know. I think it's fine. I, I, Cause it's not like that big a deal. Um it's not that big a deal. Wrestlers it's don't always have to get along. It's fine. It's fine if they don't like each other. That's that can put on some good matches. It's okay. And another thing, it doesn't matter if they're on TV or whatever. Wrestlers are messy. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's what we love about them. I mean, I, it, it actually, the reaction really struck me as kind of sexist, right? Because people still talked what? about how much they loved Bret Hart and HBK, sexist. and they were way messier. Way what, messier. Misogyny, double standards. That's not the pro wrestling community, I know. <laughs> yeah, so it, like, if this were male wrestlers, I do not think the reaction would have been the same of, oh, like, they're, like, spilling too much tea. Like, it, that was very light tea. It was very light tea to spill, especially since it was on TV where everybody it's, saw it's it. It's very obvious. When you have someone sandbagging in a match, there's no other way to say it other than you can tell, you see it. You see the awkwardness in how they interact. You can just visibly see how nothing looks good. Yeah. You can't avoid that. And that was really unfortunate, especially after, you know, when I go and watch this NWA show with women who are and, – and really this is my problem with AW and women's division in general because I've seen all these women have so much better matches in other places. I see women less talented less talented than mm -hmm. them have better matches in all these smaller shows every single week. 
AEW, I really just think the women's division needs to get it together. It needs to get a style and identity. Like it, it shouldn't. I don't know. I feel like they're just kind of booking it, like the, yeah. they're trying to book it like the men book it. It's like no, like book them differently. Have them wrestle differently. Have them wrestle to their style and their strengths. When you watch a Shimmer show, it was not the same as an ROH show, even though it had the similar concept because mm-hmm. the talent was different, the styles were different, the influences on those wrestlers were different. That's why I, I like. The to- what they've done with Tony Storm so far. The Tony Storm versus um I forget Jamie Hader match. I think How that's do what you forget Jamie Hader, the Queen. Yes, Tony Storm, Jamie Hader. That's the sort of match I want to see. A nice, yeah, has hard hitting Joshi style, you know, type of match, which is not the same match that the male wrestlers have at all in AEW. So I want to see a more unique style. I want to see the sh- maybe shorter matches too. I feel like a lot of the women's matches they kind of like. There's not like that Marina Shafir match versus uh, Thunder Rosa match. That didn't need to be a two commercial break match in the first place because she's a Marina Shafir is a shooter. Like like she's supposed to be a, go out there ready to take her head off. Make it make make it more intense, more intensity, yeah. uh, shorter matches, more matches. Have to have two every show. Have have to have two every Dynamite. Otherwise, it doesn't count. The fans are never going to believe it. Here's the thing. I don't know if any of this counts, and I say that because. There are there are mounting problems that I'm seeing with the women's division, um, and I will say, ignoring the amount of matches that they have, their roster is unnecessary because there was a point when the ROH acquisition happened and they did the interim belt, and I thought, okay, this has to be obviously leading up to separate programming. They do the Owen. And I, I see, oh, they're not really using <laughs> a lot of the people that they could. I just think they have fumbled it so much. They're just acquiring people like they have an idea, and I don't think they do. Yeah. And at this point, it just feels like they're using people just picking names out of a hat. Um, like outside of Jade... Which, you know, and I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm heavily biased. I, I don't care if we only see Jade in every single segment um, on AEW. But I just don't like this kind of directionless stuff. I don't um, like just half doing it or even like a quarter doing it. Um, they have talented, talented wrestlers who are, are not doing near what they're capable of. Yeah, I, honestly, I'm fine with the more UFC style super match booking. I, I mentioned like how Sheeta wasn't on the program for months, but then mm-hmm. they did a little promo with Sheeta and Deep, and okay, that's a big match. We instantly care about it. I think we need to see mm-hmm. more than more of that. And, and Both the stories, yeah, yeah, and, and it doesn't have to. But you, um, but I don't know. I, I, there's so much talent there. I. Maybe it's turning a corner because I feel like the fans are getting behind Tony Storm. Tony Storm is someone you can build a, a division behind with a really strong identity because she has that really distinct style. She's just a star, and I don't know. I, I if, if Tony Storm, if they give the ball to Tony Storm, maybe I can see this turning around. Less tryout matches. That's what I was thinking of. Less. Yeah. I don't. You don't need to. No more tryout matches on TV on uh, Dark. Tony, uh, Tony Khan. He sometimes he puts them on TV. It's like we Tony- don't need to try out more people to begin with. And some of the people that they keep trying out, I, if anyone hears this and thinks this is too harsh, 
I don't care. I was going to say I'm sorry, but I, I don't care. Why do we keep seeing sky blue? Why? I'm tired. We don't need that. We're wasting time. The views expressed about sky <laughs> do not reflect. I'm sure she's very. <laughs> I'm sure she's very nice, and I say this to say people are nice. That has nothing to do with anything I critique. We don't need to see her, um, if, especially when they're not doing anything with her. Um, you guys have a ring. You can roll around in there, train, whatever, any other time. Um, but I would go on to say, too, another big problem. Um, these personal issues that are popping up um, a little too often, I don't care about people being messy. I care that, for whatever reason, the people that you're centering your programming about have a problem every week. And I just, when you have attitudes and those are the people that you're relying on for your programming, that's going to cause problems. Um, there's just a certain kind of leverage that becomes involved when your top players have certain feelings. And I think it's only bound to become an issue behind the scenes that, that's going to spill out and affect their programming. See, I, I have a slight, I have a slightly different for you, but it depends on mm. how you manage it. If you're someone like, say, a Rossi Ogawa, a maniacal master, you can turn that, those fuse, those real life grudges into some great professional wrestling. Uh, the Zen, I, I was talking to Bull Nakano and she was telling me, it's like, the reason Ooh, our sucks. matches were so intense is because we didn't like each other. We didn't get along. And we like got all our frustrations that. with our life out in the ring. But that's not kind of what's happening in AEW. It's so like it's have to do storylines first. <laughs> yes, yes. You gotta bring that bring that intensity, that drama to the ring. But we've talked enough about the light stuff. Let's get into the big deal. Wall Street Journal with a blockbuster story may go down as one of the biggest stories in professional wrestling history. Depends on how this all shakes out. It's not, it, I don't, I, okay. I don't think it's the biggest story. The only difference is that it's documented and they've had NDAs on everything else. Yeah, so this is, and the title of the story is WE Board Probe Secret $3 million Hush Pact by CEO mm. Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Uh, and this is based on, well, it started with a very interesting, a whistleblower. Someone just started emailing WE board members about this deal that Vince McMahon allegedly cut where he was in a sexual relationship with an employee. Uh, and over the course of its part of this relationship, he doubled her salary from 100000 to $200,000. He then uh, allegedly, and this is you know, pretty, pretty gross, uh, obviously, all of this is gross. Passed her on to John Laurinaitis, um, and eventually she left the promotion and was paid two million dollars uh, over a period of five years. Only uh, two million. Uh, only two million. In order to keep quiet about a it, a lot more. And and yeah, and apparently someone who knew this person had been emailing stakeholders at the company that this happened. And the company, uh, the board members, because WWE is a publicly traded company. I think, mm. uh, I don't know why. I don't know why Vince McMahon did it. I guess it made them a lot of money, but 
it didn't seem to make a lot of sense because this is the sort of thing that Vince McMahon has always done and has no been known what? to do. And then, so that the doesn't sound like. Yeah. The board's eight independent directors have retained New York based law firm Simpson, Dat- Datcher, and Bartlett. Oh, if they got three names, this is your ass. It is your ass. I, um, I, if they're doing an internal investigation, um, that means there's too much dirt on you. Yes. Uh, to conduct so. the, which is like obvious for someone like Vince McMahon. My, by God, Dark Side of the Ring is literally a true crime show about Vince McMahon. No longer, we didn't mention Dark Side of the Ring is on hiatus because they're going to be working with WWE to produce documentaries that are a little bit uh, friendlier to the company. Maybe too little too late here. Uh, but the board's preliminary findings are that Mr. McMahon used personal funds to pay the former female employees who signed the agreements, including the one involving allegations against Mr. Laurinaitis, this person said. So it's not just the one thing that they heard about but they found out that this was something that had happened many uh multiple times which is should be obvious now i do want to mention this relationship with this paralegal started in 2019 2019 you that may seem like a forever ago a covid ago super recent yeah but also but think about the fact that that is after me too that is after me too that he, that you all he ever the, cared about that. I, I, I didn't think Allegedly. he cared about it, but I would have assumed he would not just do a straight up quid pro quo with a paralegal who works for him. This is such a fraction of anything that we will learn that he has done. Oh, yeah. Um, because for as much as we know, there is plenty we do not know. And their lawyers um, have been very good to them. Um, I don't know how many allegedly <laughs> we need to say, but there's still very public, private things that we know that I think would blow up a lot of spots that legally like are not touched. And again, it's just the hubris of it because all of this he had, everybody's known that Vince McMahon has had allegedly relationships with employees over the years. He has been alleged to have paid certain, uh, settle, made several settlements, paid hush money to cover up for the malfeasance of both himself and employees. There's again, whole true crime documentary about Many of these instances, probably the most infamous Jimmy Snuka incident, which which you can look up for yourself, absolutely horrific. All of this stuff is known. So to expose yourself, then this is the thing that that really strikes me, and maybe it's just strange to me. It's like you know you're like a criminal. You know you're a criminal. <laughs> why would you like? Why would you make your company publicly traded? Publicly traded. Why you're a greedy it, criminal? Okay, you take the greed, okay, and then after this, after all this, and you think, all right, the coast is clear. After me too, you decide to do this, um, and even I, oh, go I, ahead. I, I don't think it is out of. I don't think it's too far out of the realm of relevance to point out that he's just trying to do what his good friend in WWE Hall of Famer did. Yes. Literally the exact same thing. Exact same thing as uh, Trump 
uh, has done a probably same track record, more or less. Basically the same guy. That's why they're, why they're friends. That's why they get along. That's why Linda McMahon was part of the Trump administration. But that's the other crazy thing. It's like, so Linda McMahon has been running for Senate knowing this is in her husband's background. Pe- because past. they're all criminals, yes. of course. And th- the strangest thing, we've talked about this on uh, Wednesday Night Wrestling. He had to force his kids out. In order to for, to get out, they, he had to fire one one of them, uh, two of them, I think, uh, and uh, fired three of them. He fired, yeah, you know, Stephanie, Triple H, kinda. And I was Shane. like, I was like, there's already a third one. Is that the next lawsuit? And she, I, 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 I count Shane, I count Triple H as a as a child. <laughs> I count Triple H as a child. He's pushed all them out, so he has nobody there but this new guy. Uh, this new this new guy he's hired, and this guy I I don't know who is going to be left standing to run this company. There's no more Mc, there might not be any more McMahon's because this is you know big story Wall Street Journal. I don't know if he can just make this go away when it's like his own like board after him. Honestly, that's the only good news that we have. Yes. Yes, it's good. You know maybe, maybe it, maybe this will be it. Maybe this is Vince McMahon will done. He'll have to leave. I, this is something I've wanted. I've said many times. This is, I want Vince McMahon out of here. He does not need oh, a place in man. professional wrestling for countless reasons. You you could not even we could we could do all day. You could do a whole series <laughs> about all the reasons. Ju- you don't even have to talk about his personal life. Just the way he's run the company. Has created so much like like you don't even have to get in the depths and the suffering. It's like just aesthetically offensive. Like there is no level that Vince McMahon deserves any place in wrestling. And you know you hate maybe it's is you know unfortunate that it's like the Wall Street is like just a bunch of other rich people who just want to make sure that their money is safe and are like try, like that's like that's their main impetus behind this is they don't care about the victims they just really care about uh the stock price uh but hey i'll, I'll take it yeah, let the sharks eat each other all right let's take our first caller hansi how's it going hi hansi hey what's going on guys how are you we're good doing good okay well let's go uh, to me it's nice to see you and to hear from you again um about the about the Vince McMahon thing, like this is like what is like if like everyone else who's like under eighteen, maybe this is like the most surprising <laughs> thing. Like the, the whole thread about all, all of his mischievous stuff that's gone on, and the thing is like for a couple of years, right? Whenever I I, 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 I I gotta watch how I do it online because there are people who have always notoriously weaponized like other women or guys that I may have slept with Vince McMahon. And like for example, like Nikki Bella would get like the brunt of all the all like the anger. And my whole take the whole time has always been like, okay, you can get mad at somebody for doing that to get ahead over other women, but you should get mad at the company who's like instigating that because you think Nikki Bella's just showing up like, oh, I want to sleep with John Laurinaitis or Vince McMahon, like you know what I mean. So to me, it's like whenever people weaponize that shit online, it's always done by like very right wing sexist assholes that do it. But my whole time that I've been pointing it out is, like, they put women in these positions. Like, Tony Storm just came out and said that the initial plan mm-hmm. for her was to get her top ripped off and all that kind of stuff. And even it's the like stuff their favorite about, thing to do there. 
even the stuff of Sable back in 99 and all that. And, and back then, I feel bad because I, I took WWE's side against the Sable thing because I didn't know how detailed it went wrong. I'm like, how come she's coming back if she really, you know, hates it over there and they're sexually harassing her, blah, blah, blah. So I feel like I'm like a, a lot of us that watched this over the years are kind of to blame as well on mm-hmm. some level because we didn't No, I wouldn't say all that. No, I mean, I mean not, not fully to blame, but like our ignorance in like that we're blinded by we're blinded by like this entertainment institution that we will overlook like any of these rumors because they're not proven completely yet. Even though there's been like a lot of stuff over the years with Ashley Mazzario and, and, and it's just like very horrific stuff. So, I mean, yeah, look, look, let's say I had to come and talk to you about this. Cause I know that you and me are on the same level of praying on McMahon's downfall and how ironic, <laughs> it, how, how ironic it is that it's that Nick Khan may be responsible for it. So like a Muslim, Took out Vincent Man, one of the most racist assholes on the planet. But but listen, what's it called? But listen, you guys have been doing a good job. I wanted to chime in for a second, but uh, you guys cover the rest of it. But um, uh, again, a good job as always, Tom. Right? Uh, nice thank talking to you. you. Guys. Yeah, it's good to hear from you. Thank you so much, Hansi. Thank can you. I? Can I actually um, comment on that? Oh, go ahead. So, cause it's something that I've I've thought about a lot, and that I feel very strongly about. Um, so when Hansi was talking about how this has happened just throughout the history of WWE and fans have, you know, sided with the company, um, not really understood, maybe blamed the women who have been treated so poorly and maybe have, um, you know, legal issues and have made accusations. Um, that's why I feel very strongly about about how we view wrestling in the context of society, um, different cultures, our culture especially, um, and just alongside social issues because wrestling, um, and they very much, they take advantage of the relationship that they have with fans and this idea of a separate world of entertainment or sports entertainment. And so it's very easy to divorce the fiction and the politics of pro wrestling from the politics of life. Um, But it's all so smashed together. Um, But I I fear that we're at a point where as this goes on, um, even looking now, when we refuse to look at how these issues have run parallel and intersected, um, you don't really understand how these things have been enabled um, and how they've manipulated the fans and their resources, um, the media, different things to be able to, um, you know, perpetrate these acts of violence against uh, people who depend on them for their living. Yeah, I mean, again, that example of like Dark Side of the Ring being this block, this great show for A and E, and now WWE has signed a contract with A A and E to produce you know hundreds of hours of documentaries with their approval. It's just like that is so, so horrific, so horrific, so shocking that anybody could let that happen. But we we have we're we are, we're almost out of time. We gotta get out here and see AEW. But we have another caller on Jay. How's Ooh. it going? 
What's up? First time, long time, Les. This is one of the greatest days of all time for I think for wrestling fans news wise. Is the downfall one of the worst of them all? He's not dead yet, uh, metaphorically. <laughs> yeah, oh, God. true. But the worst thing is we'll never get to find out the disgusting, dirty details. The thing about Vince McMahon is he was so disgustingly psychosexual. Like especially when he was up there with Pat Patterson. I specifically remember Pat Patterson and Vince McMahon being in the ring and. Rikishi was there, and uh, Pat Patterson like took his underpants off and rubbed his skid mark in Rikishi's face. The stuff he had to have made that poor paralegal do was so heinous. Imagine, he doubled her salary. And I just hope the anonymous hackers can get in there and leak that, because that's what I want to know. I want the humiliation mm. of Vince along with this. The humil- <laughs> yeah, because he, like, he certainly has helped humiliate, humiliate a lot, lot of other people. For a lot of reasons, it it is it was it's not good enough that he just gets to I, quietly reti- retire. I do. I don't know if humiliation is what I'm going for, but I do think the level of his depravity um, should be aired out. Um, yeah. Although not at the expense of anyone. Not but, at the expense of anyone now. But I but I do agree that I hope someone. Um, and when sharks smell blood, they're always going to, you know, come out in droves, um, like we've seen elsewhere on the internets. Um, I, I hope that people start talking because when Vince doesn't have power, no one has any incentive to keep their mouth shut. Yes, and that's that's really what I'm looking for. I know there's some wrestlers with some hot tweets right now, just deciding, wait a minute, are, is he really going to be gone? And is he really mm-hmm. going to be gone? Is he really, really, really going to be gone? Because mm-hmm. I know, I mean, the wrestlers have so much dirt on. They spilled the tea. A lot of them spilled tea back in the day when they thought, oh, they were never going to work for him again. And then yep. ended up getting hired back. A road mm-hmm. dog. <laughs> road dog is one of them. Fucking uh, Brian Kendrick and Paul London as as well. So there's people there. They have stuff. People know Maybe stuff. Time to tune into old Jim Cornette and see what Corny is. Oh Never. my goodness! I I feel like the thing is like Cornette, like most of his stuff it, interactions with Vince were like sat were just work. Like he, it was just him sitting. Every time he talks about, it, he's just like I had to sit in goddamn Connecticut with Vince Russo and come up with these stupid goddamn storylines, and then he would ignore all of them. So I don't know if Jim Cornette really has any dirt. It seemed like he was he was never. In, really in the inner circle he was like the work friend but he, he was That's never so like the, the sadly the corny it's gonna go back to russo every time yeah he's just gonna talk more shit about russo well jay thank you so much for the call we gotta get out of here tamaya yes, thank you for calling yeah thank you, you so much for calling thank you so much please don't be a stranger tamaya please one more time tell people where they can find you and thank you so much for coming on i love talking wrestling with you you know you're one of the few people i love talking wrestling with uh, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Scholar and Elbow. I update about my different projects there. Um, you can hear me doing commentary for Girl Fight Wrestling, which you can find on High Spots. Um, and yeah, I'll update more about those different gigs. Uh, watch Black Label Pro in the fights to hear me on commentary. And if you like it, you can always tell them that you enjoyed it. All right, folks, that was Wednesday Night Wrestling. Have a good one. Peace.